0: Chapter Thirty-Three of Notwithstanding by Mary Chumley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter Thirty-Three. But I wait in a horror of strangeness, a tool on his workshop floor, worn to the butt and banished, his hand for evermore. W. E. Henley. In the sick room, all was still. Lady Louisa lay with her eyes open, fixed. Blended with the cawing of the rooks came the tolling of the bell for her son's funeral. Jenny had told her of Dick's death, had repeated it gently several times, had recounted every detail of the funeral arrangements, and how her sister, Lady Jane, was not well enough to come to England for it. How the service was taking place this afternoon, and she must go to it, but she should not be away long. Nurse would sit with her while she was away how Harry was not to be present, as he had been frightened at the sight of the plumed horses. It was more than doubtful whether her mother understood anything at all of what she told her, whether she even heard a voice speaking. But Janey mercifully told her everything on the chance, big things and small. Dick's death, and the loss of Harry's bantam cock, the harvest-thanksgiving vegetable marrow, and the engagement of the Miss Blinkett's niece to a rising surgeon— and their disappointment that instead of giving her a ring, his only present to her had been a snapshot of himself performing an operation. Scores of little things she'd leaned together and told her, so that if by any hundredth part of a chance she could indeed still hear and understand, she might not feel entirely cut off from the land of the living. Her mother heard and understood everything but to her it was as if her prison was at such an immense distance that communication was impossible. Janie's voice, tender and patient, reached down to her as in some deep grave. She could hear and understand and remember, but she could make no sign. Ah, how much she remembered, as the bell tolled for Dick's last homecoming! Her thoughts went back to that grey morning three and thirty years ago, when she had seen his face for the first time, the little pink, puckered face which had had no hint in it of all the misery he was to cause her. And she recalled it as she had seen it last, nearly a year ago, hardly human, already dead save for a fluctuating animal life. And she remembered her strenuous search for a will, and how Dick's Valley had told her that his master had been impressed by the narrowness of his escape when he injured his head, and had actually gone out on purpose to make his will the day he went to Fontainebleau, but had been waylaid by some woman. She had found the name and address of his man of business and had been to see him, but could extract nothing from him except that Mr. LeGay had not called on him on the day in question, had not made any will as far as his knowledge went, and that he had ceased to employ him owing to a quarrel. Dick's business relations with everyone except Roger always ended in a quarrel sooner or later generally sooner. She made up her mind that Dick must die without leaving a will. It was necessary for the sake of others. But she had not told herself what she should do with a will of his if she could get hold of it. But she had not been able to discover one. The whole situation rose before her, and she, the only person who had an inkling of it, the only person who could deal with it, was powerless. She had accumulated proofs, doctor's evidence, that Harry's was only a case of arrested development, that he was quite capable of taking his part in life. She had read all these papers to the nurse when first she came to Riff, and had shown herself sympathetic about Harry, which Janie had never been. Janie had always, like her father, thought that if Dick died childless, Hulver ought to go to Roger, had not been dislodged from that position, even by her mother's thrust, that she said that because she was in love with him. Nurse, in those first days of her ministry, had warmly, and without arrière pensée, encouraged Lady Louisa in her contention that Harry was only backward, and proved that she was partly right by the great progress he had made under her authority. She had been indefatigable in training him, drawing out his atrophied faculties. The papers which Lady Louisa had so laboriously collected were in the drawer of the secretaire near the fire. The key was on her watch-chain, and her watch and chain were on the dressing-table. Nurse had got them out and put them back at her request several times. She knew where they were. And now that Dick was dead, Nurse would certainly use them on Harry's behalf, exactly as she herself had intended to use them. Unscrupulous wanton woman! A paroxysm of rage momentarily blinded her. But after a time the familiar room came creeping stealthily back out of the darkness, to close in on her once more. She had schemed and plotted. She had made use of the shrewd, capable woman at her bedside. But the shrewd, capable woman had schemed and plotted too, and had made use of her son, the poor, half-witted Harry. For now, at last, now that power had been wrested out of her own safe hands into the clutch of this designing woman, Lady Louisa owned to herself that Harry was half-witted, She had intended him, her favourite child, to have everything, and Janie and Roger to be his protective satellites. She had perfect confidence in Roger. But now this accursed, self-seeking woman, who made a cat's paw of Harry, had ruined everything. She, not Roger, would now have control of the property. She would be supreme. Harry would be wax in her hands. Her word would be law. She could turn her out of the Dower House, if she wished it. Everything! "'Even the manver's diamonds in the safe downstairs, which she had worn all her life, belonged to her now. "'Everything except in name was hers already, if Dick had died intestate. "'And no doubt he had so died. "'How she had hoped and prayed he would do as he had done. "'How could she have guessed that his doing so would prove the worst, immeasurably the worst, calamity of all? "'Lady Louisa was appalled. "'She felt sick unto death.' She had laboured for her children's welfare to the last, and now she had been struck down as on a battlefield, and the feet of the enemy were trampling her in the dust. The door opened, and the adversary came in. She and her patient eyed each other steadily. Then the nurse went to the dressing-table, and took the watch with its chain and pendant key, and opened the drawer in the secretaire. Lady Lisa watched her take out a bundle of papers and put them in her pocket. Then she locked the drawer, and replaced the watch, and returned to the bedside. She wiped away the beads of sweat which stood on Lady Louisa's forehead, touched her brow and nostrils with eau de cologne, and sat down in her accustomed place. Lady Louisa saw that her eyes were red. "'If looks could kill, yours would kill me, my lady,' she said. "'It's been hard on you to have me to tend you. But that's all over now. Don't you fret about it any more.' I shall go away to-morrow, and I don't suppose you'll ever be troubled by the sight of me in this world again. Presently Janey came in, and the nurse at once withdrew. She took off her gloves and put back her heavy veil. It is all over, she said, with the familiar gesture of stroking her mother's hand. Such a sunny, quiet day for Dick's homecoming. We ought all to be thankful that his long imprisonment is over, that his release has come. "'The other prisoner heard from the depths of her forlorn cell. "'And I ought to tell you, mother, that there is no will. "'Aunt Jane and Roger have looked everywhere and made inquiries. "'I'm afraid there is no longer any doubt that Dick has died without making one. "'So you will have your wish,' the gentle voice had a tinge of bitterness, "'everything will go to Harry.' "'When Janey came downstairs again she found Roger sitting in the library with a hand on each knee.' he looked worn out. She made fresh tea for him, and he drank it in silence while she mended his split glove. "'Well, it's over,' he said at last. "'All the arrangements were so carefully made,' she said softly, putting her little thumb into the big thumb of his glove, and finding where the mischief had started. He watched her without seeing her. "'I think everything went right,' he said. I hope it did, and Black did his part. I never heard him read so well. I thought the same. Roger was so accustomed to hear this expression from Janey whenever he made a statement that he had long since ceased to listen to it. I'm thankful there was no hitch. I couldn't sleep last night, earache or something, and I had an uneasy feeling, very silly of me, but I couldn't get it out of my head, that one of those women would turn up and make a scene. "'From what you've told me, Mary Dean would never have done a thing like that.' "'No, she was too proud. But there was the other one, the Fontainebleau one. "'I had a sort of idea she might have been in the church. "'Queer things happen now and then. "'I didn't like to look round. "'Mustn't be looking about at a funeral. "'I suppose you didn't see anyone that might have been her.' "'Janey laid down the glove. "'I didn't look round either,' she said. End of chapter 33